how I was wired. And so I really went on this journey and I feel like I'm still on it. But at the same time, like I definitely know who I am a lot better today than I did five years ago. Hello, I am Joel Ingram and this is Crisis to Crushing It podcast. Let's dive into this week's talk and I'll help to increase perspective, expand perception and allow you to change your reality. Enjoy the show. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Cool. I'm just wondering. Oh, there we go. Now you're. <laughs> I was like, it was kicking my earbuds on. It's like, oh, <laughs> how are you? I'm good. You? Good. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, you've got I a lovely energy. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I like the picture that you sent without, like, you were all clean shaven on that one picture uh. that showed up. <laughs> I was like, oh. Totally different person without that beard. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure which one I prefer beard. I think I prefer the bearded version. Yeah, well, yeah. it's a completely you look you look older yeah. with the beard than yeah, you look very very young. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, people. In, I've noticed people in work look at me different. Mm. You know, they, interesting. They, they interact. They interact with me different as well. So. I feel that way about my hair color. Like if, if oh, yeah. I go dark, if I go darker, just even a little bit, like it makes a huge difference. Like if I'm at the grocery store or something, like people are so nice and they smile and they like, you know, oh, and, but it's, as soon as my hair is dark, <laughs> nope, <laughs> nope, that stuff all goes away. Like you no can way. smile and you can be nice and that, like they do not reciprocate the same way. <laughs> Good God. So I was like, okay, lighter hair it is. <laughs> so That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like, and it's not like a ditzy thing. It's just interesting how you're just like, I don't know, have a softer, less intimidating kind of, you know, presence, I guess. And I think the beard too, there's something about that that is like, oh, you're so friendly. <laughs> you think the beard like, is more friendly? Yeah, I do. I okay. do. I don't know why. It's a nicer, yeah. <laughs> so. Cool. Okay. Oh, that's, that's, that's a bonus. I'll go with that. I okay. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I used to, um, I don't know, when I uh, think of my, the, the, myself as the clean shaven, uh-huh. if I feel more immature. Yeah. Sound, I, don't I can see that. Sense. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, yeah. it's a bit odd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. So what have you been up to today then? Well, oh, what did you say? What have I been after? Wait, what have you been up to? Oh, up to, yeah. Well, I, Monday. <laughs> like, Mondays are like my, um, are my podcast day. So. Oh, okay. I, yeah, so just emails and getting social media stuff. I still have to work on it. My, my husband posts my podcast for me. So he like does all the, um, you know, music and stuff for the podcast. And he forgot to post it yesterday. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, and I try not to be like, hey, you got that done? Hey, you got that done? Like, I just am like, I, I mean, he knows it's Sunday. It goes up on Sunday. And so, yeah, this morning I woke up and I'm like, it's not posted. <laughs> and he does not wake up until like 9.30 or 10 o'clock in the morning. Ooh, good sleeping. Oh yeah. Like he sleep, like he works, he works pretty late, you know, like he just is more alert in the evenings. So he sleeps late. And so I'm like, like, okay. You know, like, so I'm like, I, te- I texted him. We, we both work from home. And so I texted him and I was like, when you get up, could you post that? Po-? Cause then I don't want to be like a jerk 
and be like, yeah, you know, so, so I was like, um, by the way, and then he's like, uh, <laughs> no answer. He, felt, he felt really bad. <laughs> so oh. Cause then it, yeah, it threw off the rest of the day then because then I'm like, oh shoot, like, yeah, my email usually goes out at like seven o'clock in the morning and you know, everything else. So I'm glad I don't have it, it all like pre-done. Yeah. Otherwise it'd be like, Hey, check out this link. And then there's no, ah. you know, so, so it yeah. all worked out just fine. It's fine. It'd be difficult yeah. to automate that, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, and a lot of people do, you know, but it just depends, like, they, they can usually just set up the link, you know, so it's like, as long as you know that the link's all set up and everything's ready to go, it's fine, but, yeah, but yeah. so, how long have you been doing this podcast? Um, May last year. Okay, nice. Yeah, still early days. Yeah, well, that's, that's okay. <laughs> do you yeah, get, do you get I, fairly... I love it. Yeah. It's, uh, I get to have awesome conversations with people I wouldn't normally meet, yeah. so it's brilliant like yeah yeah awesome well i'm looking forward to it cool we'll just keep talking <laughs> <laughs> okay so i, I usually do all uh, we have a brief run through so uh, you want a hard finish or no you good okay yeah. I, I usually aim for about 45 minutes to an hour i mean but i i have had <laughs> i have had some people go two and a half hours <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, if you want to just cut us off, yeah, no, you do what you do. Okay. <laughs> I'll just uh, follow your lead. Cool. And then usually what I usually do, I post this, which is edited, and then I also post on YouTube, which is unedited. So even this conversation and everything else would be all in. It's, it's water okay. and all, you know, there's no cutting at all. Okay. Is Great. that cool? Yeah, excellent. Yep. Okay. Right, well, Fab, so um, can you um, tell me a little bit about – what's going on in your world right now yeah. we met the other day and I was uh, I was excited to hear what you were doing so yeah great well yeah so just in general I'm a nonprofit consultant so I help uh, charities raise money and so like my my primary focus right now is really just helping as many people as I can uh, getting them connected in community with each other and then also just you know helping people just learn how to fundraise and how to raise money for their cause so most of my time, yeah, I'm teaching and, and helping to connect people as much as I can, social media, online, all that kind of stuff. So, but I jump on calls quite a bit as well. So that's kind of my, my world right now. Cool. So you got a background in teaching or is it just something that's evolved for you? Yeah. So, well, it's interesting because it, it has evolved. I started off in the fundraising space and just, you know, raising money putting on events and that kind of stuff. And then eventually the organization saw that I was having such great success that they were like, Hey, you know how to do it. So now this would be a great opportunity for you to start to teach other people. So I just gradually moved into that teaching role and then eventually, yeah, I got a promotion and started helping people uh, raise money across several different states in the U S and then, wow. uh, yeah, from, yeah, from there, then I was like, well, Hey, if they're going to pay me to teach, I can teach too. You know? So then when I started out on my own, then it worked out really great for me to be able to stick connect with people from all over and, and help them in the same way. So, yeah. So it, when you say do you teach online, are you doing like classes or is it, um, online classes, is it? Yeah, so I released a book uh, two years ago, ago called Fundraising Freedom, and that book is a seven-step process, um, you know, basically from the vision all the way to building out a team and then asking people how to, you know, teaching people how to ask for money, and then ultimately going and making their difference. So the seven steps is really what I teach on, um, and I, I do it online 
have an academy and then I also kind of, you know, just courses and then also one-on-one coaching, just jumping on a call with somebody who is like, Hey, I just don't know how to do this. Show me how to do it. <laughs> so, cool. and, and then we just, yeah, over the course of about an hour or so, we walk through their, their app, their situation. And then I teach them how to go from wherever they're at so that they can raise the money that they need for their cause. Do you, do you find this sort of uh, encroaches on personal coaching as well? Yeah. Well, I mean, yes, because oftentimes when they have challenges financially within their cause, they also tend to have financial challenges personally. Yeah. You know, so there's there's usually this weird relationship with money that comes somewhere in their path. You know, so in the in the professional fundraising space, I don't I don't have that near as much. But yeah, once we start getting into, hey, I just started this, I just started up this nonprofit, it just seems like so much money. You know, because I mean, if you go from like making, I don't know, 30, 40, $50,000 and then all of a sudden you're making, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions, you know, now it's like their mind just can't even wrap around that kind of money, let alone think, oh my gosh, somebody would actually give us that kind of money to our cause. Mm -hmm. So, so then it, yeah, it digs into their personal stuff, you know, just their background and yeah, what they, how they feel about money in general. That's mm-hmm. awesome though, because that's what I touch on is beliefs. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's it's crazy how uh, we're shaped by our beliefs. And then the, the saddest thing is we don't probably even know where most of those beliefs have come from. It, exactly, I know, and it's like you know, just that power, you know, it's, it, that we give to you know tradition or culture or like whatever, however we were raised. Yeah, you know, if you were raised to penny pinch, then that's what you're going to do and then until somebody says why are you doing it that way (laughs) you know you start questioning it you're like I don't I don't know why why do I pay attention to every little penny or dollar and it usually comes back from your upbringing for sure yeah definitely so okay cool so what is it I mean financial is probably the the most obvious one with the game that you're in is there anything else that comes to mind as a recurring theme of the people that present to you like with belief or yeah, you, you know, it's, um, it's interesting, because it's usually, um, like in relationship with people when you're, you know, they're reaching out and trying to help, you know, connect people over a similar cause, a similar thing. And so it's interesting to me, just even in the relationship, that it's like, you know, all we're going to give money to somebody that we know, like, and trust, you know, and so like, once you can get past that, that they, they know, like, and trust you, usually money follows like money's not like a a tough thing, but it's interesting how relationship and like your time and why would people want to spend time with me? Why would people want to, you know, um, basically do this, you know, like as far as like take time away from their job or whatever, or their family Mm -hmm. to donate their time to volunteer and give to the work that we do. So, so oftentimes it's like, yeah, there's just a lot of different challenges than that on a mindset that we usually have to touch on. But but it's weird because if it's a career thing, like if they if they feel like called to do this, it's crazy how they're like, you know, willing to just speed on by. But then their yeah, their personal life is a totally different story. Yeah, <laughs> so, yes. so I think it's crazy. It's like sometimes they can compartmentalize it where they're not even they don't even mix the two together. Yeah. Where their home life is one way, and then their job, their career life is completely different. So, it's yeah, interesting when I dig in. <laughs> yeah, I've I've started to question everything. I mean, mm-hmm. like you know, as much as I as soon as I have a slightest awareness, am I just doing it because that's the way I've always done it? 
Yeah. First thing I do is like, I'll try and get it down in my journal and then I'll be like digging into it when I get five minutes, you know? Yeah. Well, and what's been really cool for me is just the fact that I've been able to spend time with really wealthy people. So like when they, when they volunteer their time and they, they give to our cause, like usually what will happen is like, I mean, we, we go to meetings together, we talk about, you know, setting these goals. And so I've been able to really like watch the mindset of very, very wealthy people. And it's, it's interesting to me to see like how they look at the world in such a different perspective than, than I did when I was a kid, you know, when I was, you know, growing up. So it's, yeah, <laughs> it's just unreal until you start tapping into it. You don't realize like, wow, this is a whole different ball game here. So yeah. you, you've, um, I, I'm not sure what it is. Is it, um, the, 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 some of the five people you spend the most time with? So you leveled yeah. up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The whole Jim Rome quote. Yeah. You're the average. Jim Rome. That's the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I actually talk about that in my book a little bit because I'm like, yeah, you, as soon as you start surrounding yourself with those people, you're like, well, I, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like there, there's, yeah, there's no reason to be thinking so small when we're, we're in control of that and, and yeah, don't even realize it. Yeah, I got a I got a good example of that. A, a friend of mine about two years ago, um, it was it was a, a a building up for sale in our local area, and I said, oh, I said I'd love to have a shop in there. I said and a restaurant and da da da. da. And he said like, he said I wouldn't. I said why? He said I want to own the building. Yeah. I was like, oh, why did I think of that? You know, <laughs> it was like his, his thinking was just so much bigger. Yeah, but, but it blew me out the water. I just thought, oh my god, if I'm thinking that way with just that, what else am I thinking that small with? You know. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, and that's usually the first conversation that I have with people. You know, when they're saying, "Oh, we really want to raise this amount of money," and I'll be like, "Okay, well, tell me what what are you going to spend it on? You know, how are you going to spend that money?" And then they talk about how they're just going to pay their bills. You know, that it's like, hey, that's that's rent, that's, you know, just covering the basics. And I said, okay, so once you raise that, then what? And then it's like, well, then we want to do this and we want to do that and we want to do, and I was like, so why didn't we just say that in the first place? You know, like instead of just raising a couple thousand, like we should be thinking the tens of thousands or the hundreds of thousands instead of the small, just let's get by. Yeah. But it's so, I mean, when you're living in a state of desperation, like all you're doing is just trying to get by. Yeah. And it's hard to even dream or to think any bigger than that. So yeah, like why would you think of the whole building when you're like, hey, I'm, it, it would be cool just to get in the building. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And pursue something that you feel like you think you're passionate about, you know, because it's obviously running, running a restaurant is not necessarily something I, I would go to if I had the cash. It's just right. You know, sounds cool you know and, yeah, so, yeah. and i love food <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, uh, yeah it's it's interesting because uh I, i've just taken a, a shift in in jobs and the shift in jobs is meant to drop in money yeah but i'm so much i've come into it i'm so i'm in so much of a better place mentally for it so mm -hmm. i'm trying to come full circle and i'll probably back like you've just touched on I'm trying to get away from the surviving and get back up into the thriving. You know, it's uh, it's, it's 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 all part of the process. I'm aware it's just it can be incredibly frustrating sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's it's true. Like you just have to like it, you know, I don't know. It's like a a child, you know, like a baby. It's like they, you know, 
you got to learn how to crawl before you can walk, you know, and it's like, sometimes you have to take a step back in order to move forward again. And it's like just building the right, you know, foundation so that you can continue to build whatever you want to create. And so that's like money isn't always like the defining thing. It's just like, you know, the responsibilities and the, like all the things that you're learning along the way that they're so important. So so it's good, like having, you know, taking a step back and like as far as pay goes, doesn't necessarily mean that it's not going to like shoot you to the next level quickly. That's, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, 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 that's in the background of my head that I'm still laying foundations. I'm 43 years old and I'm laying foundations. Yeah. So how crazy that sounds. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to, the secret is, is you're going to do it the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that we always think that it's like, oh, we're just going to arrive. We're going to figure it out. And I was like, I've, you know, I've owned my own business for almost five years now. And I'm like, and I realized in the last five years that it was like the problem was not my boss or the previous job. It's the fact that life is just like this. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I mean, I'm my own boss. I control my whole schedule and everything that I do. And it's still, it's still so hard. And you're like, I thought this was going to get easier. And it's like, nope, that's, that's life. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. just, that's just the way it is, you know? So yeah, you're always like trying to reinvent yourself and, you know, take it up the next, you know, level and challenge yourself. So, so no, you're going to be doing it forever. Yeah. So don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> and I'll never arrive, which is reassuring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay. So um, can we, can we get to know a little bit about you going back to maybe when you were younger? So maybe go back yeah. to school so people can get a feel for what you know uh maybe uh, create a bit of rapport with regards to what you were like in school and stories that come to mind yeah so okay well I mean I'm from this is a background I'm from the United States and um you know growing up we we lived in northern U.S. so North Dakota is where I was raised and so um not a very large population of people and all that so and we moved um to the other side of the state when I was just um in like the second grade so we moved across the country or across the, the state and it went from like being the youngest of seven kids and then all of a sudden those older five kids all graduated from high school and they all went off to college seven kids and so, seven kids so five yeah five out of the seven were like gone out of the household so we went from this like really big household you know of nine people down to four wow. and so it was crazy so when we moved to the other side of the, the state it was like we went from this really big family in a big house to an apartment with four people and so my life, yeah, definitely took a completely different turn and just, you know, I mean, and it was great, but it was just like, so I kind of compartmentalized it as like, there's like these different stages in life where, you know, you just have different seasons. But luckily my older five siblings all went to college in that town that we moved to. Oh. So, so we were all in the same town. So we still got to see everybody. And so it was a really great move that we all moved oh, to, nice. to the other side. Yeah. Yeah. But, and that's actually where my, my love for fundraising and sales and all that stuff started because, um, I wrote in my book that, you know, we, um, would like in the second grade or third, something like that in those early years, um, they had asked us to do these, um, chocolate bar fundraisers. So it was like to sell these candy bars for the school. 
And so I'd go and sell the candy bars to my older brothers and sisters who lived on the university campus. And they, I mean, they would, they were dollars. So of course, some kid showing up at the door at college, you know, I mean, it was like they just flew out of the box. Like I did not know <laughs> So, so I won. So I was like the top candy bar salesperson, you know, like I was like number one in elementary school. And that was such like a, a like the first time where I'm like, oh, like I did something really amazing. So, so from there on, it was kind of like fundraising and, and that whole thing was so much fun and exciting for me. So it was a pivotal season of my life for sure. Yeah, that's massive. Because imagine the belief that you would have sown there from that. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because even yeah. even though it was very, how old you then? Yeah, I would I would say it was probably seven or eight. Seven or eight. Uh, so mm-hmm. it was probably there was strategy in there some way, whether it was you or a member of your family guiding you. Yeah, my dad. Yeah, yeah my dad. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, knowing that people were just melted when you said, "Would you want to buy a, a chocolate bar?" That's, <laughs> exactly. That's fantastic. I think that's yeah. brilliant. Well, and the other thing was, is that my dad was like, I mean, he went with me everywhere I went. And, you know, if you're familiar with the love languages, you know, the five love languages, my love language is absolutely quality time. Mm. And so like for me to spend quality time with my dad selling these candy bars to like my brothers and sisters neighborhood, their community that they were in, that was like a double dose of quality time, love language with something that was super rewarding. You know, so it was like all these things kind of like packed on, but it's only been actually in the last couple of years since I started my business that I was like, why do I even like this? You know, like I, I had to like really dig deep to be like, why do I care about fundraising? Like, I mean, I've raised millions and millions of dollars. So like over the course of my career, I'm like, this is crazy. Who does this? <laughs> and then as I was writing my book and I was really like digging into the story, I started to realize that I was like, oh my gosh, like that quality time that I spent with my dad was so essential to the career field that I chose. Yeah. That's, that's cool. I love, I love the fact he did that. And, and knowing what I know now about uh, beliefs and shaping people, I, yeah. yeah, I'm going to mention that to the wife of our youngest one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just never know. And I talk to people now who are like, oh, I hate those stupid fundraisers that our kids have to do. And they just like, they think that it, oh, I just want to just buy the cookies from the Girl Scouts and I don't want to like even have to worry about this. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't realize that that might tap into something that they really, that gives your child life and gets them really excited, you know? Absolutely. So, but I did, I, I tracked through all the different times where I was fundraising throughout my high school career and on and, um, and all of it correlated back to quality time with my dad and, you know, and being able to successfully raise funds that resulted in going on trips and like having great success in, in whatever I was a part of. So there was a lot of that stuff. And by the way, my dad passed away um, the year before I started my business. So he's been, oh, he's been gone for just over five years, but it's, you know, the most beautiful thing though, because he's, he's been so a part of my journey, especially since he's been gone. So it's like, yeah, not, I mean, of course it's sad to lose somebody, but at the same time, it's like, you know, really incredible to think that like he's such a crucial part of the work that I do still did it was he uh, uh involved in the transition for you um well yeah this is what's crazy is that okay he passed in 2013 and in 2013 I was working for the American Cancer Society 
and he passed from cancer. So I'm going through a whole cancer diagnosis with yeah. him alongside raising money to fight cancer. And then, um, so they restructure their entire organization restructured. So I had to reapply for my job. So I decided at that moment that we were going to move, that we were going to take a position that was um, in, in the same town as where my in-laws all live. So we moved, we changed, I changed careers. My dad passed and it like all happened within three months. Holy like, moly. And we, and we bought and sold homes. So we sold our home in uh, Springfield, Missouri, and we bought a home in St. Louis, Missouri. So it was like buying and selling homes, death, funeral, job change you know it was just like all of this kind of all swirled into one and so um yeah it was just really kind of crazy during that season so he knew that i was changing jobs but he, it was a year later that i ended up resigning entirely and starting my business so but i knew i was like i just need a year just to like let this all settle you know the job the change everything the death you know so there's quite yeah quite a lot of <laughs> That's a, that's a ton of emotions. Like, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, this podcast I'm hoping is going to reach the ears of some people that are not even aware of how their emotions impact their lives. So, I mean, mm -hmm. can you can you not talk us through, but can you give us some maybe guidance points or the ways that you managed your emotions during those times? Because I imagine it's, you're not going to get much more emotional than what you went through there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, um, when I found out that he was terminal, that he had, you know, basically he had bone, it, it went everywhere. So it was in all of his bones. And so we kind of knew, I mean, it was like, we just knew like it was bad. And so, um, so I ended up, um, going and spending some time with him in the hospital. My sister was there for, you know, quite a while already. And eventually all of us kids ended up back in the hospital there with him. And we kind of knew where there was only a couple days left. And so, um, so I ended up, it turned out that it was like, we knew that the time was getting close, but, um, but everybody decided that they were going to go home. And I was, I just felt like I needed to stay. And so I stayed in the, in the hospital room, uh, when my dad, um, right at the end. So I was the only person there when he passed. And so like, as soon as he passed, like, I mean, I was sleeping in a cot in the room, you know, like where he passed and it was like. Like I literally, as soon as he passed, like I felt like I just was like lifted up out of my bed and was like, and I looked over and there were two people that were working, you know, checking him out. And they both were like, not oblivious to the fact that he was gone. And so when I looked over, I was like, oh, he's gone. And they were like, what? And I was like, oh, he passed. And I'm like, they were like, what? <laughs> so they like both look at him and he's gone. And it's so crazy because like, as soon as that happened, you know, like, I just felt like such a peace. Like, I know some people when they lose someone, sometimes it's tragic, sometimes it's like, it, it was so abrupt, and they didn't like have any anticipation that it was coming like a car accident or something like that. But like, for me, I had, you know, a couple of months to really like, understand what was going on and the loss and everything. So not saying that it was any easier, but at the same time, it does, you know, help in the process. So, you know, over that next year, I, I really I just was trying to figure out like who I was, you know, without him, you yeah. know, like when you have somebody that's so important in your story and your journey and like why you do what you do. And he, he's like the most charitable person ever. So like, so like charity and him are like, you know, so for me, it was like, why do I care so much about this? You know, I'm like really digging into that. But I, I did a ton of journaling. I did a lot of writing that year. 
um, did a lot of crying, <laughs> but, but I mean, but at, at the core of it though, I was just really trying to figure out who I was, yeah. you know? And I, and I mean that I was 33 years old at that time, you know, and I was like, I mean, I had a good career. I was doing good work and making good money, but it was like, I just did not know what made me who I was like, what, how I was wired. And so I really went on this journey and I feel like I'm still on it. But at the same time, like I definitely know who I am a lot better today than I did five years ago. Mm. And it's been very cool. It's just been a really incredible experience just to like figure out why, why I care about certain things more than others. <laughs> like, yeah, no. Yeah, because yeah, there's things that just make you tick and they get you excited. And I mean, I came home, there was one day where I asked my husband, I was like, okay, my thing was, is I, I just asked him, I go, okay, what gets, when, when am I the most happy? Like, when am I the most excited? And he goes, when you get a check. And I was like, okay. And he's like, like a check from like, not like a paycheck, but a check from a, somebody who's donating to the event or the cause or the thing that I'm working on. And, and I said, okay, well, it's not the money. The thing that gets me excited is like the journey that it was like, we found somebody that liked what we liked. You know, we made that connection, built that relationship. And then through the journey, they felt like it was something that they should give a significant amount of money to. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was like, oh, that's so cool that like you can be strangers and then you can connect on a topic and then all of a sudden you're like, you just get each other. And I can have really, really deep conversations with some of my volunteers that I was like, why am I talking to them about this stuff? Like, especially around my dad's death. Like, I mean, it's cancer. I'm, you know, raising money for cancer. The reason why my volunteers are even volunteering in the first place is because they lost somebody to cancer. You know, so it was like, it just made for our relationship, like just to get even tighter during that process. So so yeah, it's been um, yeah a crazy, amazing journey in the process. But I've I've written a lot. I've filled up a lot of journals in the past <laughs> few years. Just really, you know, and I love a good personality test. I love you know just really trying to figure out you know what is it that makes us who we are. So so, so what are you INJP or? <laughs> I okay so Myers Briggs I don't spend a ton of time on it but okay like let me remember I N um F J that's what uh, I am yeah. I which is interesting because the I throws me off a little bit because I I am very like outgoing and I love spending time with a lot of people but I also am like I need to like step away and just like hide out every yeah, so I like, like you know, I can only take it in so many increments, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so. That's that's, yeah, that's cool. No, I get you because uh, I was listening. Do you listen to Ryan Hawke, Learning Leaders? I No, I don't. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll just have to sh share that one with you. Yeah. It's, uh, it's yeah. good. Um, and he was saying on him, he's a, he's a, a coach and, you know, big yeah. businessman. And uh, he was saying that a lot of successful people that are in these extrovert worlds are really introverts. Mm -hmm. You know, so yeah, I can completely resonate. Cause that's that's pretty much me. I want I, I want to help, yeah. but I, I also like that space. You know, right? You know, I, yeah. I, being able to step away and just think and do stuff and then come back to it. Like, 
Yeah, so. for sure. Well, in the in the Myers Briggs world, yeah, it's whatever the advisor is, I guess. And that's what when I was looking at, it, I was like, there's only like one percent of the population who falls into that category. And I was like, oh great, like I'm <laughs> like one percent of the population is here, you know. So, but I do it like giving people advice and kind of just like being the guide. Yeah. like teaching people you know that but then at the same time i almost like yeah take on their head you know whatever they're carrying yeah. Yeah. and so then it just like yeah i need to like shut down and just you know hide out for a little while and then i can come back and i'm good again <laughs> so. you, you, fully, you fully empathize so i can do that as well if i get too wrapped up in a story you can start and you start taking the feelings on and that's not nice either yeah Right. I know. Yeah. And it's crazy that, 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 that happens. Yeah. That's even possible, but it's, yeah, for sure. And especially I do a lot of larger fundraising events and yeah, you get that many people in a room together. And like my, my largest fundraiser where I raised a half a million dollars in my first year putting it on, we had 1200 people in the room. And so it's like managing 1200 people and all of their, you know, craziness. <laughs> and then we add alcohol and a lot of food and a lot of money and excitement. And that's like, oh my gosh, it's just yeah, overwhelm. <laughs> so, but, but it's a good time for sure. Definitely worth doing. <laughs> yeah. I went to my, I, my first fundraiser a while back with the wife um, and Grant Cardone was there. And, uh, oh. and yeah, it's like, it's, I couldn't believe there's people throwing money at these like photographs. I I saw the video on online on YouTube. Right. I saw that video. It was it was crazy. Yeah, I, yeah. I was I, I was sat there. And I'm you know I'm an aircraft engineer, quality assurance engineer. Now, but I was thinking this this couple on the right with you know like eight nine hundred pounds for this picture, and I'm thinking that's, that's what are we doing? <laughs> it's a brilliant cause, but I'm thinking, and they were giggling. They were giggling about spending nine hundred pounds, you know. And you yeah, say money it, mindset is. And they were doing it. I was I was watching it purely to see how he used his level of influence to to get them to do that. Mm. Because he he did. He used, you know, like that it was like this is just money mm. and this is a great cause and you guys have money coming out of your ears. Mm. You know, so like there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to give to this thing. And then like and then they were almost doing it just to show him how much they loved him mm-hmm. like because it wasn't it? like his brother and there was like i mean i'm like all right guys this is you know but but it, that's how it works <laughs> so i'm still trying to adjust to that because uh i say i'm not there yet but uh, i'm in the progress of being there so <laughs> yeah well i mean i've seen i've seen fundraisers where yeah people are giving hundreds of thousands of dollars oh. and just like a you know yep yep Yep, you know, count me in, and it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, someday. That's where I, I have always kind of, you know, now that I'm in the consulting world and, you know, owning my own business, I'm like, oh, I'm just super excited about being one of those people, you know, being being someone who can, you know, pay for larger things that people could only imagine that somebody would care about or want to give money to. So, no, I get know, it. Serving on on the other side for so long, I'm like, they're like, so who would ever want to give to that? And I was like, Oh my gosh, yeah. like people are aspiring to make that kind of money just so that they can give it away. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's it. Aspiring to make mm-hmm. that money so you can help. Yeah. And, I, and, yeah. and that's a shift in thinking as well. Cause it's, it's not about self. Right. You know, exactly. Well, 
do, do you follow, you know, like um, Thinking Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill, yeah. you know, those books. So Napoleon Hill has a lot of, there's a lot of YouTube videos of like his, his talks and stuff that he's done over the years. And this is obviously long time ago, early 1900s and, or I guess it was like 1930, 40, somewhere around there. And, um, but anyways, he was talking about some of this stuff and it's crazy because I mean, like what people are willing to, you know, just, he, he had worked with Andrew Carnegie for so much for so long. And he said, out of all the people that he's worked with, you know, Andrew Carnegie actually had a really difficult time at the end of his life because he didn't know how to give his money away properly. Like oh, okay. he just, he was afraid of giving it to somebody that was going to use it poorly and it was going to cause more damage, you know, more harm than good. And so it's interesting because it's like, I don't think people on the other side realize that it's like, you know, yeah, if you have a lot of money mm. and then you die yeah. and then you just left all this money for somebody else to manage, who's not capable of managing it. So, so it was interesting how he, Napoleon Hill was talking about how he had such a difficult time at the end of his life trying to figure out how to spend his money. Man, what a difficult crazy. problem to have, huh? <laughs> yeah, 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 certainly, yeah, yeah. And, and he's he's but, another one that up levels, wasn't he? Because it wasn't just Carnegie who was around; he was around a lot of uh, uh, five hundred, five hundred businessmen to, that made up that book. So he interviewed that many people. It took him twenty years to write that book. I wasn't aware of that stat. I didn't know it was 500. That's Five, incredible. Mm -hmm. 500 businessmen. Yep. He was, uh, he was ahead of his time, wasn't he? I think. Mm -hmm. you know? Well, Andrew Carnegie was. Yes. I think Andrew, see, that's where, I mean, Andrew Carnegie knew that this was something that could change people's lives. And, and now like, once I got a hold of that book, I was like, well, no, this is what everybody's doing. You know, like you don't realize like what's this insider language that people are using and, all that stuff, and it just, yeah, totally opened up a whole new window for the work that I do, yeah. See, I've, I've come back to that book about three or four times, and I've started it and got so far and then stopped, so far and stopped. And the last time, I, I actually read it all. And each time, it's been like maybe a year or whatever far between reading, I get something more from it, and I get further into it. So yeah. I, I'm taking that as I'm evolving. <laughs> yeah, but you know? But at the beginning of the book, it does say that you, that you shouldn't read it in one sitting, that it should be used more like a textbook. Okay. You know, so it is like, so, I mean, the fact that you've gone back to it multiple yeah. times is exactly the intention of how it was written. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I, I mean, I was the same way. I couldn't consume the whole thing in one sitting because it's just, it's too big. It's, you know, like when you think about your money goals and like your, you know, the kind of lifestyle you want to live and all that, like it's not going to happen overnight and you're not going to change your mindset in one sitting. So it's almost like you just have to keep that repetition and figuring out, yeah, what are you going to do to, to turn things around? Yeah. Yeah. So, so good. And, and, and be consistent. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And how we just like that, you know, the stories that we are told as a child and how it's like those things just, they are so ingrained in us and it is hard to change some of those thoughts around so that it's like actually going to move you in a place that you want to go. Yeah. And I think people get so frustrated because they're like, why can't I, why can't I make change? Why can't this happen? And it's like, because you had how many years of, I mean, think about like the languages that we, you know, people speak. It's like, I mean, it's going to be a lot harder for me to learn a language than if I were a child, 
you know, yeah. like you just are so you're just consuming everything at a pace. That's just so different than when you're an adult. So, yeah. so it's harder. It's harder to change. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We got to be uh, easier on ourselves. <laughs> bit of self-love, bit of compassion. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. So thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. My name is Joel Ingram and I am a certified NLP coach. I help passionate, resourceful and professional people feel stuck and unfulfilled with aspects of life to rewrite their narrative and chronicle a new, engaging and captivating future. Please subscribe if you found benefit.